This podcast episode is brought to you by Iron Source. Iron Source are not a spinach-based nutrition company, as their name might suggest, but are actually a game tech company which builds technologies that help you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor of Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on over to ironsource.com, ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. This podcast episode is also brought to you by AppsFlyer. Most of you are familiar with AppsFlyer. It's perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive marketing success. But what is attribution platform? Why do we need it? And why is AppsFlyer the best in the business? Brian Murphy, head of games at AppsFlyer. Can you answer these questions? Sure. Uh, right now, marketing budgets are being impacted. Uh, so the need for strong attribution and measurement partners is critical. Marketers should be focusing on what's working best. So mobile measurement and attribution partners who help provide uh, those insights are even more important. Mobile attribution platforms determine which campaigns, partners, and channels delivered each app install. And marketers rely on these insights to measure and optimize their marketing performance for both user acquisition and retargeting campaign. With 1 trillion in-app events measured each month, AppsFlyer is the most robust technology platform and mobile measurement partner for any game developer to distribute and engage their application to a worldwide consumer base. Our scale and data insights provide customers with the unique ability to make informed marketing decisions. In short, AppsFlyer gives you the data and tools to market your games effectively. So there you have it, folks. Go to appsflyer.com and get yourself one of the best attribution platforms out there. Hey folks, welcome to Twig84. Today we've got myself, Joe Kim, Eric Chris, Mishka Katkoff, and we've got a guest host since Adam Telfer is out moving to Canada. He's getting the hell out of the US. Uh, but we've got our special guest here, Josh Burns, and today we will be covering four articles. First, Twitch gets a new channel for news, exclusives, and more by The Verge. Second, Sony confirms PS5 event for June 4th by GameSpot. Third, Mark Van Rizwick on why the pandemic is a unique moment to reach new consumers by Elis Daily. And finally, interview why Scopely and Peerplay spent three years perfecting Scrabble Go by Pocket Gamer. So how are you all doing? And by the way, Mishka, congrats on Unannounced about Unannounced. So <laughs> what's going on with, with Unannounced? Yeah, I mean, you guys knew it for, for a while, but... but um... I was I was thinking like what does Helsinki not have? And then I was like, fuck, of course, a mobile gaming studio. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, no, in all honesty, um set up a studio with with amazing co-founders and um it's unannounced because we wanna be unannounced, we wanna be heads down working on our first playable, and then we're gonna come out of the closet when the time is right, uh, but not very far from here. But having a lot of fun and a lot of ownership of just you know i'm here in that suit in the studio and it's like really small we're in a small room Wait. just cranking it in Wait, so your studio is called unannounced 
No, of course not. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> it's called useless games. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, it's actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk more about it. It's, um, it's, it has a cool name and it's all incorporated and it is funded, but yeah, I'll talk all about right. it later. Good for you, cool. man. So should we jump right into updates? Let's yeah. do uh, it. I want to start with updates. All right. So I want to apologize. I jumped the gun a little bit on the Saturday for the peak peak news. I saw some news coming in from Turkish uh, magazines. Uh, Some of their like leading tech tech magazine, basically TechCrunch of Turkey was reporting that that Zynga has been acquired for not that peak has been acquired by Zynga for 1.8 billion. And of course, I don't read Turkish. <laughs> My Turkish <laughs> friends were, <laughs> were telling me that this is a thing. And apparently, you know, pretty much everybody on the street uh, knew about this acquisition. I thought it was official. I had a couple of drinks over the barbecue on, on Saturday. And I was feeling really happy about Peak getting acquired, about Zynga acquiring Peak. And I wanted to congratulate them on, on LinkedIn. But apparently, that wasn't news. So thank you, Chris, for letting me know that it wasn't official. Uh, so I blame the Turkish TechCrunch, whatever the name of that is. <laughs> whatever uh, blog or, that is, dude. <laughs> it wasn't a blog. It was like their their main main news site. So, oh, really? So I was just I was just super happy for for these guys, and I think it's a it's a great acquisition. And I was also really happy that we actually predicted this in January. So when we were doing our predictions and we were writing about puzzle games, so I'm just going to read what we wrote, and we we wrote that peak games will start to decline. And we were basically, but they didn't decline. They actually stayed stable. But anyway, we wrote that they, they started to decline. And given the company's massive run rate, which is about 500, between 500, 550 million in revenues a year, it's possible that the company will get acquired in 2020, provided that they're willing to sell. So the best fit that we saw would be Zynga, because they already bought Peaks card games for 100 million. And they already have a very strong presence in Turkey through Grand Games and through those Peak Games. And of course, they know Peak's investors really well because they're the same investors as with Grand Games, Powerful Hummingbird. So anyway, we predicted that, that Peak Games will decline and eventually sell because the company has not released a new game in years. Uh, the market growth is driven by these puzzle and decorate games, you know, matching dimensions, the playrix titles, and so forth. And this requires massive amount of content. Massive amount of content means larger team sizes. And if you don't know Peak, Peak actually has really, really small teams. They're like the supercell of puzzle games. So this sort of a trend in the puzzle, uh, puzzle genre was against what Peak was doing. Then we also wrote that Peak has been active with all kinds of stealth technology ventures, which is clearly outside the focus, what, what they should be doing. And we also wrote that they had lost a lot of senior talent to a very booming game scene in Istanbul. And, and it is really, like, there's a lot of great companies coming in. I think Good Job Games is out of Istanbul now, and they're doing really well. And finally, we, we said that Zynga will buy them because Zynga is actually really weak in puzzle, and puzzle is the second biggest genre on mobile. So it made all sense. And the kind of big questions that we haven't answered to is, how profitable is Peak? And does it, you know, uh, but overall, I think it really fits the, uh, the Zynga's portfolio. But anyway, Zynga, the biggest Zynga lover is Eric Kress. So you tell me how great of an acquisition this is. Well, this, this, uh, this stock is making my year, right? I mean, these guys are up so much over the last couple of years in which I got really bullish on them because I, I do like Frank and I, I like his strategy, but Peak is a great addition for them. Uh, there are some negatives that I'll go over, but like 
it fits their portfolio per- perfectly, right? Because they don't have any puzzle games of note, and you know it's just a huge amount of revenue in this g- genre, and they can keep them independent the way they have with the other two teams. Uh, this this deal is actually almost identical. It, what's so crazy is to King, right? When Activision bought King, where they're basically their revenue is flatlining, and they're like sitting at thirty percent plus margins, probably. And Activision picks them up and does multiple arbitrage, right? Um, so back of the envelope, just so you understand exactly how this thing works, is like Peak has about a $600 million run rate. You assume that they're around a 25 to 30% margin. That's $180 million in EBIT. Um, and so at $100 million in EBIT, they're basically going to get acquired for basically 10 times EBIT. Zynga trades at around 20 times EBIT. So there's basically that arbitrage. So it's worth about $3.6 billion in market cap for Zynga, roughly. Um, and so that's why the deal is great. And that's why the stock was up 15, 13% yesterday and 3 or 4% today. So um, it's just basically a huge accretive deal for Zynga. Um, and, and that's assuming that they, it's basically just flatline. They don't even continue to grow. So amazing. Yeah, Eric, the other thing I think, I don't know if people know this, but so uh, Peak doesn't do any advertising. So there should be like pretty immediate upside there too. To just what do you like mean? Add. They don't do advertising. Like they don't uh, in their games. They don't do any in-game they have advertising. Ryan Gosling. No, no I mean like Ryan Reynolds. For monetization. In-game advertising. Oh. Yeah. They don't do but any. It's been their sort of position. Yeah, no, and I know. And, and I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, that is potential upside for them. I, I do think though that king is not really having a great time with advertising right now so maybe but we'll see i mean it's possible so um they did a call this morning by the way uh and they basically said that they were going to grow about five percent next year is what they expect Uh, i think they can probably do better than that and they also said that their that peaks margins were were the same as as zingas which i think is just more or less a bald-faced lie right or I, Frank is just totally sandbagging, right? Because I, I, there's no way a team of 100 people is less pro, with only two games is less pro, is less profitable or the same profitability as Zynga. So anyway, I think there's some upside there. And with the combined company, I mean, there is just a bigger, much bigger company, and and this this stock should continue mm-hmm. to work for the next, and it basically sets them up for the next two years in terms of growth. So I, I it's it's a, it's a, an amazing deal now. Of course, there are negatives. One is, you know, half of the stock, or half of the purchase price is uh, stock. So that's really dilutive to shareholders to some degree. But it also creates incentive to peak employees to stick around and, and you know, they're aligned if they own a lot of the stock to make sure that they execute. Um, and then the other thing is that this is not a small giant or gram type thing where you're buying it at the low you know, and or as they are starting to grow where you have growth products as also and, and many games in the pipeline. So it's not the same as those two things. This is more like a mature business that they can kind of just plug in. Um, but I think overall, it's a great deal for Zynga. And, um, and you know, keeping an independent studio out in Turkey makes sense. Any thoughts? I'm, I'm kind of surprised that JK didn't put the article of, of Voodoo being sold around. Oh, I, I didn't want to cover it because I'm just... It was, I, it was in there. It got deleted. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I was, well, you could, I was, we can we can talk about it. I just think this. I I don't I don't even know what the value of Voodoo is right now. So it was one point five in that article. I know that seems Which insane. Sounds insane. Right? That's, they're not worth one point five billion. These guys at at at, at Goldman, 
put in this insane amount of money into a company that has no value, right? And now they're out there pitching it around, dude. It's it's going to be a fucking disaster, dude. Yeah, it's... who's going to pick that up? Ubisoft. Like who? Ubisoft. Miss... No, not Ubisoft. for one point five billion. Well, yeah. for less, but Ubisoft is going to pick them up. Like that's my guess. If I were Ubisoft, I would I would acquire Voodoo. Well, they have Ketchup. Makes sense. Yeah, oh, and they wait, have whoa, the idle whoa, games. Whoa, 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 whoa! They're not going to spend one point five billion on that. Crap. Well, not for one point five billion, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But Just for like less, pennies on the dollar, like maybe a hundred million, two hundred million. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> like what are you talking about? Voodoo is big. It's big. Like they're again number one hyper casual publisher. Of course, there's Supersonic coming in. There is Lion Studios yeah. number two right now. Say Games, good game, good job. Good yeah, job, super what, totally different environment versus when the when that investment was done. Yeah, yeah. Yes, thank you, Mr. Even Burns. more competitive. No, yeah. no, people were crazy about this hyper casual <laughs> stuff at that time, right? And these these uninformed investors just threw money at this thing, and it's not worth at that. Not even close. We just got through talking about a deal that makes sense, right? <laughs> these guys are running six hundred million dollar run rate with two games that are amazing and now you're bringing in voodoo that's why i didn't want to cover it because it makes no sense you know yeah, i mean it's voodoo's flat i mean it's pretty flatlined and like the ecosystem with like all these vertically any like app loving and uh you know i think also supersonic like mm-hmm. and then i think the sort of progression of that space is just so easy to enter right all these guys who have been successful like the smaller sort of hyper casual guys are now publishers too and it's just like the barriers to entry yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't understand it even then when it was at its like a, you know peak in terms of success. But now, yeah. So you're saying Ubisoft, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're we saying mean, we talk about real businesses on this podcast, <laughs> not voodoo. If the criteria, if the criteria is French company, then maybe, <laughs> maybe two French companies. Yeah, and no, France I, is all about hyper casual. So anyway, uh, all right. So moving on to other updates. So Business Wire is reporting that Apex Legends Season 5 is off to the best start of any season to date, which is not surprising given the current times and the coronavirus effect. But a few stats from that is that the Season 5 trailer for Apex Legends got 47 million views and the most ever for any Apex Legends launch trailer. And the Apex Legends community has created... what is TGC content? I don't know what TGC content is, but that got 176 million views in the first two weeks. Next update, talking about Ubisoft, is that according to Video Games Chronicle, <laughs> they have reported that Ubisoft CEO Yves Guimont has stated during their full year's earnings call that they are looking to do acquisitions if possible. Ubisoft. That, <laughs> and that one, pub- one billion. Yeah, that publication suggested that Ubisoft said it has access to long-term financing of $1 billion plus a 300 million euro revolving credit facility if required. All right, so we'll see what happens. That's I, no, about I, the price of Woodoo. Okay. $1.38 billion. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Please, please, no. Please, no. So interesting about Ubisoft is that they, they're not a very acquisitive company. And frankly, I think they have too many game developers as it is. <laughs> they should like, probably clean up their house before they start acquiring more stuff. But... Can't wait to the hyper casual version of Division. <laughs> All right, some more shots fired by Eric Kress. Uh, next update is that Gamma Law is reporting that 160,000 Nintendo accounts were hacked. 
And they blame what they are calling the archaic Nintendo Network ID account system. <laughs> in any case, if any of you guys have Nintendo accounts, get yourself checked out. And Nintendo suggests you turn on two-factor authentication. Josh Burns, you've got some updates? Uh, yeah, just a couple of quick things I thought were interesting. So uh, Riot announced they're adding sponsored banners uh, that will be visible during matches. Uh, live events for League of Legends uh, to support partners, which means basically advertisers. Um, so I think they specifically called out the fact that this is kind of moving them towards traditional sports uh, environment where you obviously have like advertisements in the field of play. Um, so uh, I thought that was interesting. So hopefully this will sort of continue to grow this, this ecosystem and better integrate sponsors into the actual gameplay experience and so and somewhat i guess at least uh and then the last thing was just you know i think highlighting kind of the where the market's at with everything going on which will be, remain nameless uh but uh, the mpd numbers for april um are up very significantly versus a year ago so software this is only pc console um but up 55 percent, and then hardware up 163 percent um, and this is the across all the categories they tracked against non-mobile gaming. Uh, we're up, um, I think, over a hundred and something percent, which is the highest tracked month, highest tracked April month ever in terms of, of, of revenue. So hopefully that will continue somewhat. But I don't know. We'll see what happens over the next few months. People, yeah, what do you money. think? What do you think about those sponsored banners? Did you saw the? Did you see the images of that? No. Oh, okay. I didn't, I just, I thought it was interesting just trying to make this more mainstream. Um, I don't know. I, I'm wondering what gamers will take away from it, but especially that sort of demographic, but it'll be like fairly palatable for them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it would be cool if they would add like in your home zone or whatever they call it, that would be sponsored. That would be basically the, uh, the esport team. Like it would be your own turf, you know? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't even watch League of Legends. Let's just move on. <laughs> News, Eric. All right. The first big article. Uh, Sony confirms a PS5 event uh, on June 4th. I think it's this Thursday. So uh, so this is actually the first big marketing push that they've done. I mean, they've had, they had the spec announcement, I guess, but which was felt real flat. But we should see, we expect to see lots of software. That's the hope anyway. Um, and not only what's coming out this this holiday, but also likely some some... Uh, previews of what's to come going forward uh, we should see both i think we should see both first party and third party um they will talk talk exclusives but from my my sources there are no AAA exclusives on the ps5 <laughs> anytime soon right the only one that i know about is horizon zero dawn sequel that may be a triple uh, an exclusive but other than that it's just going to be their IP coming to both platforms. So I'm really excited to see where they are, where they come out on this. I think um, they're in such an amazing, enviable spot in, in terms of the market. And and also they have the ability to learn from Microsoft's mistakes because their reveal was really not well received. Um, what I don't expect is any kind of announcement on pricing or timing, uh, probably unlikely. Uh, I think they need to get more visibility into the supply chain, although they keep reinforcing the narrative that they are definitely coming out and it's going to be bigger than ever. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of interesting to me anyway is kind of the 
how Microsoft is differentiating itself. So Microsoft really has only two things to kind of differentiate them in a positive way, in my opinion, anyways. They have backwards compatibility. They're really pushing. They're talking about this 1,000 games available at launch of the console. And while Sony's been very, very quiet about backwards compatibility, because it looks like, actually, they come off a little bit defensive on it, right? Um, where, you know, the head of uh, Sony is basically saying, you know, why we believe that when this is his quote, we believe that when you go all to do all the trouble of creating a next gen console, that it, it should it should include features and benefits that previous generations does not include. And basically said something along the lines of why would you want to play old games on new uh, new console, which I totally agree with them. But it seems like they're not they're going to have some backwards compatibility issues at Sony. It's quite a, what it sounds like to me relative to Microsoft. And then the other benefit that Microsoft has is the subscription services, which. Uh, Sony's not really participating too much in uh, with new game subscriptions. So, uh, having all said all that, I think Sony is going to destroy them uh, in the first couple years of the cycle. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we'll see uh, how they come out. I think the only title that's been leaked uh, that is coming that is is uh, Gran Turismo this holiday. That's the big their big release for for the launch. So I don't expect a big launch lineup, but I do expect Gran Turismo coming and then Spider-Man next year and then Horizon Zero Dawn two years from now, something like that. So any thoughts on this, guys? You guys uh, I, excited about console? Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm going to Insta right. buy the PS5. But I thought that I saw something on Twitter about Sony requiring kind of game developers to be or to have their games compatible with the Sony PS5 by a certain date or something like that. So I, yeah, I thought I, they had announced backward compatibility. But I don't know. I could be wrong on that. No, 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 no. They, okay. no, no. I'm talking about catalog backwards compatibility. Things that, so anything that's, re- they just said that anything re- that's released after July something yeah, yeah. needs to be forward compatible, right? So okay. it's working yeah, right. current index. But we're talking about games like previous games, like Red Dead or, I mean, GTA and Red Dead will definitely come. But like other games, those aren't necessarily going to be backwards compatible day one, right? All right. If no other thoughts, we can move on to the next article, which is Twitch gets a new channel for news, exclusives, and more. And so Twitch has announced a new home for gaming news, the Twitch gaming channel, which looks like a webpage on Twitch dedicated to, quote, new game reveals to Twitch drops. And so Twitch wrote in a blog post that the channel will be led by streamers and will break big news as... An example, the first competitive Valorant events. It will also feature indie games, including an indie showcase later, later this year, and will also host developer AMAs. There will also be a Twitch exclusive game jam on June 26th to, through the 28th. And so when I read about this, I thought it sounded really cool. I thought this was interesting just because, at least on the PC and console side, we've seen increasing impact of Twitch and influencers on game marketing. It's literally becoming like the biggest mover of of games is what it seems like. But having said that, the article about the new channel sounded really exciting. So I was surprised when I actually went to that page and it was basically just like a 15 second video and not much else. So this really felt like a really premature announcement here, kind of like Mishka jumping the knees on, on peak, but I, I think Twitch should have held off and not just had like a bare page. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah, I, so for me, I can't, I don't understand why Twitch would announce something so lame. There's nothing there yet. And hopefully Twitch does a better job in the future 
but I don't know, it kind of seemed like whoever was doing marketing at Microsoft is now at Twitch. Anyway, very lame, but <laughs> hopefully it'll be better later on. Uh, Mishka, what do you got? Oh, I got nothing on this stuff. <laughs> uh, well, your news. Yeah. Oh, oh! Uh, I thought I thought you were asking me about the yeah, Twitch either, stuff. Either way, either way. Come on, man! Like, come on, <laughs> Twitch. <laughs> Listen, we don't even have Amazon Prime here, so first get that in order. Then, uh, then let's talk about Twitch. <laughs> anyway, so the article I wanted to talk about was Ma- Mark Van Rijsvik, uh, executive vice president from from Glue. He he had an article on why the pandemic is a unique moment to reach new consumers. So, Mark is an executive vice president of studios at Glue Mobile, and he's leading Crowdstar and Glue Play. I'm not sure what Glue Play is, but I think it's their casual studio, so probably Diner Dash and that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, by the end of Q1, Glue Mobile revenue increased by 12% year over year, and the bookings saw a 15% increase year over year. Design Home, the Glue franchise, the Let's Players Live the Life of Interior Decorator, hit a new all-time record, 11% year over year growth. And looking at Sensor Tower, Glue has been on a roll since April. So we see downloads double from February to March, which is, again, going back to peak case. Like, they're stable during the same amount of time. So that's why, you know, anyways, uh, 20% up from March to April downloads. So downloads keep on increasing, not at as crazy pace as the big, as the big beginning of the lockdown, but still at very rapid. Uh, we see MLB 2020 doing pretty great on the download size. We see Sorcerer's Arena actually pumping up, and Kim K is up like, you know, I'm not going to say what. And <laughs> revenue is nearly doubled from February to April. So we see Design Home going from about $9 million in, in um, net in-app purchase revenues to 13 so numbers from Sensor Tower. Uh, Kim K and Covet both up by 50%, and MLB as well as Disney, Sorcerer's Arena, are doing about five million net a month, which I'm actually surprised, especially with with JK talking so much slap smack about Source Arena, just making hater videos on it. And like I'm I'm pretty happy that they're doing great now. Anyway, so overall the article covered with lots and lots of filler text and you know product PR as Mark sort of described design home and COVID fashion almost as essential service rather than entertainment, you know, games that help to kill boredom, make people happy. There, there are quotes like, over the last few weeks, COVID fashion has also seen a rise in engagement as players have shared heartfelt sentiments that the game provides a relaxing comfort and creative escape into the world of fashion and styling. Like, it was... I need that. Were, yeah, it was... I it was like, playing. Yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> awful. But there were, nevertheless, key points. And number one is... Zoo, uh, Glue is clearly finding new audience during the shelter in place. And casual gamers that they're able to connect are the ones that don't consider themselves as, as gamers. And what Glue sort of believes, according to Mark in this one, that this new audience will continue to drive growth of mobile market as a whole, especially the casual market, as they sort of will mature and move on to other games. Um, which is interesting. It's kind of what hyper-casual games were saying, that because they're bringing these players in and they're not gamers, they're going to stop playing on the games. But anyways, uh, another interesting point here was that Cobbett has signed up to 150 fashion brands. And this is, in my opinion, a pretty major entry barrier for other competitors that are coming in. Design Home has the same thing. So they do have real brands. and Nobody else is able to get them because I think they got them on a dime because they're kind of first one to come in. You know, it's not like you're trying to get a Ferrari IP into your game. It's like 
you know, I don't know what they have. Um, you know, forever 21. Yeah, Forever 21 or something like that. Like, hey, we want to put your stuff into the game. They're like, okay. Uh, anyway, so I think that's pretty great. And they also, uh, another tidbit here was the design home is becoming cross-platform with a browser version coming out. And of course, they put it into the form of like, this is so great because it can be accessible on multiple platforms. The way I read it is that you're getting rid of the platform cost and you're getting probably cheaper UA. So there's plenty of growth opportunities. And I think there are you know, a couple of tidbits in this overly puffed article. Uh, and I have nothing, nothing against Mark. I actually met with Mark and he's a super nice guy. So anyway, as a summary, uh, Glue is crushing it with their legacy portfolio, whether Eric likes it or not. Uh, MLB looks to be doing great again, as they do every year. And it's very interesting to see how the engagement is going to be like now that the sports are probably going to be played without an audience. Uh, I'm very surprised that Disney has reached 5 million a month net revenue run rate. And I was looking at their revenue per download. They are not at a revenue. Don't say revenue run rate at 5 million or I'm going to, I'm going to punch you because that is (laughs) such horseshit. I I won't accept that. Go ahead. Okay. So so pandemic high. Like, Anyway, look at their revenue per download. So I, so I open up revenue per download, and it has exploded in a couple of months. And it's now two times what Looney Tunes and Disney heroes have. Uh, so I don't know what's been happening, but I think JK needs to do an apology video and a new <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> oh, you're trying to so incense I, I, I think it's... Yeah, so it would be really fascinating to understand. I think you should ask Game Refinery to join you, because I think you did it with, with them the last time as well. Uh, so overall... I, I kind of still see hard. I think it's it, it's hard to, hard for me to see that that Sorcerer's Arena is going to make more than forty a year because when you look at Looney Tunes and you look at um, Disney Battle Heroes, I think that was the game. They all are making about twenty five million a year. Though I do have to say, Looney Tunes is is scaling up. So I think Scopely quickly looked at what Sorcerer's Arena is making and kind of putting the same same um, same playbook into Looney Tunes. Um, and overall. The, I think Scopely is going to catch up with with the uh, with Sorcerer's Arena run rate, whatever it's going to be, and it's going to probably increase in in Looney Tunes. But I don't think Per Blue, which is the uh, the publisher of the other Disney game, is going to do it because they just don't have the same resources as Scope. So overall, um, filler article, but some nice tidbits. And I just wanted to bring this because Eric loves glue, and, and uh. <laughs> just <laughs> glue, glue has been so frustrating. It's like it's been painful. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible stock call. I'll tell you that much for both Jeff Cohen and myself. So, um, <laughs> so on the on the Disney side, basically Disney is going to do exactly what I said it's going to do, or at least the company said it's going to do about fifty million this year, gross or twenty five to thirty net, um, and. But that is like well below what people were expecting for this game. So I, I don't think we were wrong on this one on, 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 on the fundamentals. It's just the game is just not scaling to the level of some of the other games that are much bigger, like Star Wars. And um, they're just not getting the downloads, right? Marvel. So they're, they're at Marvel. Their RPI is amazing, but they're just not really scaling it. And they basically said in the call that they, at 50 million gross, they are not profitable on this game. They're losing money. So. So what happens next year, you know, does, and the game looks like a shark fin, right? It, did, it had a recent pop because they had, had their uh, second season come out, uh, but it's coming right back down. So how does that look next year? You know, can they do 30 million gross, you know, and does, is it profitable then, <laughs> right? So I don't know if this game is actually is doing what they'd hope it would do. 
Um, but what, what ended up happening is they basically took advantage of COVID, right? They invested heavily in marketing for their old games and they got some insane short-term revenue spikes, but they also were unprofitable this quarter. Um, and their expectation is that they'll be profitable for the next two quarters to offset that. Uh, but they still are sitting at 10% margins and revenue growth is, is decent this year. But I think it, it kind of could set them up to a really tough year next year, frankly, uh, because how are they going to grow from here? Because basically the only game they have in development that could be meaningful is Deer Hunter. And it's sitting at like 10 cents per download. <laughs> so you know, straight in Australia. What, and I, what's what that? You, you really think Deer Hunter has, has significant potential? No, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> but that's what they—that's what—that's what Nick is saying—is that this game is going to be huge, right? What if they? What if they start promoting it on Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah, but they—they uh, <laughs> they can they can get a gazillion downloads, but if it's only doing ten cents per download, like you know, it's just like a Rovio game, you know. So oh <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that shouldn't shouldn't matter. <laughs> so um, so anyway, I think uh. You didn't I say your it, Rovio game. You said a Rovio game. <laughs> Any Rovio game, right? Um, so okay. the uh, so I, I think they're in good shape for this year to hit their targets. I, I don't see any issues here. I think question is, how are they going to grow profitably next year? And then they have a really tough comp with COVID in the first couple quarters. Um, and the only thing that really is in the pipeline is Deer Hunter. And then there's this is a wild card with the Crowdstar game um, coming out next year. But I have to admit, Jeff and Cohen and I were definitely wrong about this one, particularly on the stock, <laughs> because everyone, uh, this thing is just crushing it right now. But uh, <laughs> but if I was an investor, I'd be investing, putting my, my money in Zynga, not in, in Glue, that's for sure. So anybody else have any Yeah, so for words? me, my only comment on the article itself is that just to give some real feedback here, uh, as Mishka stated, there is way too much PR. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. You got to get rid of the PR people. Just just have real talk. There were some good nuggets there, but they were very hidden amongst all the mm -hmm. executive double speak and nonsense. So I hope that in the future they just like keep the articles real. Otherwise, people are, are just gonna, you know, just skim through it. I actually haven't seen the latest version of Disney Sorcerer's Arena, so I, I do know that the previous version that I did do the video with Game Refinery on was terrible. So uh, oh yeah, see that's what I thought. Pivoted. Yeah, yeah. To defend you, Joseph, because the first, the version that they did before was the one that where you were actually controlling the characters. Oh, right? the laner, the lane battler. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that was a fail from the get go. And, 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 no, and I was the right. Yeah, yeah the metrics sense. were, yeah, <laughs> the metrics were, <laughs> I know, the metrics were terrible, right? And so they basically just completely copied Galaxy mm -hmm. of Heroes and the other traditional type games. And that, worked right i mean it, it's monetizing reasonably well so anyways jk is promising a number two video of this. <laughs> I, I should do a number two and by the way actually i was i was visiting ea uh, a while back and i heard that they have someone new leading sorcerers you know and i i know she Disney has or, very good or, reputations uh and so I, I i think they probably do have someone really strong now leading so, that so you said you were visiting ea or glue yeah yeah but they talked about who was leading because you know this is what a very this is a very you, tiny you went to ea uh, to redwood to talk about who's leading <laughs> well it just kind of came up just kind of came up but uh with respect to glue itself you know i'm a fan of all game companies but i'm with eric on this one i think they got to figure out a new game pipeline and ultimately 
public game companies are eventually going to be evaluated based on the generation of free cash flow. So like 50 million gross, that's not profitable. That's that's not going to cut it. So I, I just think that the biggest issue with Glue just to you know, just to cut to the chase here, is that they, they need to figure out what their core strategy is because it, it really does seem like they don't really have like a, like a fundamental foundational strategy for how they're going to have long term competitive success. So I hope. What they if there's another? What, what if there's another customization game coming in? Because Crowstar has been doing pretty well. Cover yeah, is yeah, sure. all time high. Yeah. Design Home, what it's making like twelve net. So what if no, no, Crowstar comes I, out I with said, another one? No, yeah, I mean, the, I, I've said a lot before. The Crowdstar team continues to kill it. They're they're really fantastic pickup that really saved the company. But I do think like that was kind of an opportunistic pickup, which worked out for them. But they just need a a core strategy. Like you know, Zing has got a strategy. Supercell's got a strategy. They they need something. What do you? But okay, yeah, I kind of get it. But but they had the small teams <laughs> down in San Francisco strategy. <laughs> they had the centralized and SF strategy, which was nonsense. <laughs> anyway, Josh? Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, you guys said a lot already. I mean, I'm pr- I think the pipeline is a huge issue, right? There's not, if you think about the development cycle, and there's not really anything even in soft launch right now. They have also like a sort of chapters, Pixelberry Pocket Gems game in soft launch for a while, which... I mean that genre or that era, that realm is just like cutthroat, and everyone's trying mm-hmm. to come in there. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, Deer Hunter, uh, yeah. Uh, so what? you know, I, th- I think the I think the Crowdstar, <laughs> the Crowdstar is. I mean, these guys, the Crowdstar thing has saved them like over and over again, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully, maybe it can with this third game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously seeing a lift right now with sort of the current like market dynamics with pandemic and stuff and i just get concerned like when that dies down i think no, you no, guys I, are just hating i think no you guys no no, no. i mean the, the, no that josh that's totally right i mean the, all boats are rising right no matter what yeah. you know yeah, in i mean my, space right my, now so my gaming stock portfolio is just like crazy but yeah. uh yeah i mean at, at some point i feel like i kind of agree that they don't have a central strategy but um and the other thing i, I don't know we, you guys don't really talk about a lot of this again based on my focus is like almost all their revenue comes from north america i just feel like it's mm-hmm. a huge miss i mean it's like 80 percent of revenue i mean like deer hunter like these kind of things are all so like north america centric where you look at like zynga and these you know these guys are diversifying so i mean to me that's a huge area of opportunity um but mm-hmm. the content they have is like very like baseball this kind of stuff is very focused on I just don't understand why these Crowdstar games aren't. Well, you know, well, more. think about okay. So think about well, you talk about their strategy. So let me be a little bit of devil's advocate. They they're targeting so they have sports through Tap Sports, and all these sports that they're basically competing in are the sports that uh, sort of EA wouldn't compete in, like you know baseball. EA is not in baseball. Uh, then they have what else do they have? They have um, WWE. Uh, is that a thing? No, no like Game Hunter. I, yeah, um, I mean. And and then they have the uh, the the customization gameplay, which they're you know basically kings of that. So if they can come up with a third one, so that's they have sports, not big sports, but but kind of like an interesting sport. They could probably make volleyball or something like that that is pretty big, but not that big. Or table tennis. Uh, they have uh, customization, and then they have uh, sort of a, like female focused games, like all these diner dashes. Um, I think that's pretty clear division of, of stuff. They don't have shooters anymore, which they used to do a lot. 
Yeah, I, 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 I they're not look, that bad. They're no, not, they, like, they, they have, they have like a solid portfolio of, of yeah. games that continue to deliver like three hundred to three fifty in terms of a million in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. But all the activity around that is just it's a little bit haphazard, right? So yeah. WWE failed. Mm. Disney Sorcerer's Arena looks like it's doing good, doing well, but it, but the amount of money they spent mm. and and the guarantees they paid to Disney and the fact that it's not profitable this year and likely probably not profitable next year, and then uh, Deer Hunter. So it's like they 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 it's like they're just basically this COVID thing kind of like is kicking the can down the road type thing where they just threw all this money in marketing, insane amount of money on marketing, and all. The revenues just kind of peaked during this quarter. Mm-hmm. They went from one one hundred ten to one forty this quarter, um, and then they say it's going to come right back down to one twenty. And so, it's it's just that the, there's no real fundamental growth with the business, um, you know. But yeah. the CrowdStar thing is interesting. I think that game is probably is either it will make or break them next year if this CrowdStar game comes out because it's certainly not Deer Hunter. That's yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. They have value, is what I'm saying. I, I'm not. I'm not hating on it so much because I think the three games, Tap Sports, Covet, and and Design Home, are amazing franchises that I think are worth something. Uh, but they're certainly not worth ten dollars a share. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way. So because uh, so we'll see. I mean, I mean, if you look at Zynga, right? I mean, they have like predictability of like, oh, there's another match or game based on like this license, and it's seems maybe somewhat stale, but from a sort of Myth, it's very methodical yeah in terms of like content release in these specific categories it's like oh this is game of thrones slots and this is you know mm-hmm. harry potter this so i don't know i feel like that's kind of missing from i don't from know Blue. i'm just saying nick earl might have a trick in his in his sleeve so crowd star <laughs> crowd star trick anyway let's talk about scopely cool all right so uh <laughs> moving on to another pr piece here <laughs> Uh, <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow week, I guess. Uh, so, uh, why Scopely and PurePlay spent three years perfecting Scrabble Go. Um, so the quick summary, uh, you know, the Scrabble Go was a successful launch, um, of course, cause it's a PR piece. Uh, but it is a top 10 grossing in the word category, which is actually like quite competitive. Um, the article mentions about 2.5 million daily active users. Um, so basically Scrabble Go was built built by Peer Play, which is a sort of a new team uh, that started out of Buffalo Studios, which was Bingo Blitz, which was acquired by Playtica. They kind of picked some of the best folks and created this new studio, and they started kind of working in, right away with uh, Scopely um, on uh, this this project three years ago. So, uh, you know, at some point they moved into Scopely offices, and then, um, you know, they were actually acquired only a couple months after the game launched, uh, just in April. Um, and another interesting point that's covered is they actually already transitioned to a new project, um, working with the Scopely team in Boulder, which is like old backflip studios people. And uh, the Barcelona team is already doing the operations of the game, the new, uh, new Scopely presence there. Uh, and then... We had some sensor tower numbers um, since launch, 15 million downloads, around 3 million in net revenue, 20 cent RPI after four months. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, which benchmarking against words with friends, which I think 
has obviously more of an ad revenue focus, but uh, the revenue per download lifetime is 26 cents. Um, so overall, like a pretty successful launch. And I, I've heard like anecdotally, some of these Scrabble, Yahtzee, actually like the monetization is pretty, pretty strong. It's actually more like a social casino. Mm -hmm. So hopefully there's a lot, of, a lot of upside. So mm -hmm. we'll see uh, there. So comments, uh, you know, I think, from my perspective, there's sort of two interesting points here. You guys have obviously already had the publishing sort of discussion with Scopely and talking about their model, but I think this is an interesting evolution of the sort of partnership strategy for Scopely, getting in like right at the beginning uh, with the team. Obviously, it's not clear exactly the structure that they took um, with PeerPlay, if they invested right away or you know helped fund you know what they were doing right from the start. Um, but I think this is an interesting model that maybe, you know, some more companies should consider who are looking for sort of, you know, building, you know, top, top 25 games. Um, so again, striking an early partnership, leveraging the sort of creative expertise of that team and meshing that with like publishing operational expertise of, of sort of the mother company. Um, and Scopely obviously has like word game experience, which they were able to leverage. They have wheel of fortune, which is a top game Yahtzee. Um, and then obviously ideally a successful launch and then an acquisition. Um, so if you look at some of the other early Scopely models, you know, they were more like work for hire type stuff. So like walking dead with IUGO, uh, WWE with Kung Fu factory. So it was kind of like you, these guys built the game and that was kind of it. Um, and then it evolved to like digit games, which was star Trek, uh, where they, you know, started working with them after digit had already built a game. Uh, and you know that eventually led to the acquisition of the studio once they had a successful collaboration. And then you know peer play is even further right where they're getting it in in bed at the very very beginning. Um, and then that's giving them sort of like a lot of efficiency if they want to do the acquisition right. Probably some legalese in the in, in whatever partnership they have plus just like having work with them from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, and then I think the other thing is like it also, but it's also not a sort of capital intensive model necessarily, right? If it doesn't work, um, you can kind of move on. Um, so you see like a lot of uh, historically, like the sort of publisher, uh, like in Korea, they would take like 51% of these studios. And then, you know, if the game doesn't work, they just like pull the plug and then the studio dies. Um, whereas here, like, you know, we had like Redemption Games, which was initially, I think, sort of funded or had an initial partnership focus with Scopely for the the Temple Run mm. uh, puzzle game, which didn't seem to work out. But, you know, these guys, everyone moved on. Everyone's still doing all right. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see more companies explore this type of model, getting involved uh, at the very beginning stages. I can see AppLovin doing something like this. Uh, and then the one other interesting point I think is like historically you see sort of this migration of games, you know, they launch, you grow them at some point, they're sort of in the elder stage and you migrate them to like a lower cost location. Like I think with Zynga, they move them to like uh, Indian, Indian, their teams in India. But as soon as you see, like in this case, only like a couple months after launch, they migrated all the live operations, uh, you know, to a lower cost location um, which I think is a really interesting strategy. And then peer play is now focused on something new. Um, my guess is it's something similar in this category with another license, but we'll see. Um, so 
I think it'll be interesting to see if this other companies take this approach, um, just to sort of like keep the cost structure down. We talk about like glue and everything in San Francisco, mm -hmm. obviously scopely, everything's in LA. So, uh, yeah, it also speaks to positively of scopely in the end, so, you know, it's a PR piece, but being able to have the operational sort of, uh, you know, capabilities to quickly like migrate between teams, um, is obviously a huge, huge value. So yeah. Who wants to let me, I, I can do this. So I want to do two shout outs, one in the beginning, one in the end of this. So I want to start off with a shout out to my ex colleague, Reginaldo Valadares, who's the GM of this game in Culver city. Uh, so Reggie ha used to run Rovio's Stockholm studio that was behind the Angry Birds 2 title. So he knows a thing or two about live ops. And Eric was laughing about Rovio games not making a lot of money. Look at Angry Birds 2. So, no, you know. you're right. Angry Birds 2 is a good game. <laughs> exactly. So anyways. I just uh, like to talk so, tonight, that's all. Uh, so Scrabble is currently driving 70% of all the installs for, for Scopely. If you look at their graphs, it's pretty insane. Uh, but at the same time, it's only 3% of their monthly in-app purchase revenue. And we don't know what the ad revenue for this game is. If it's anything close to Words with Friends or those type of games, it might be quite significant. I actually haven't played this game, so I don't know how much ads is in it. But, you know, if the ad integration is done smartly, then it could be significantly more than the net purchases. Uh, the, the other interesting part was that they spent three years making this game. This game, Scrabble, three years. That's a long time. That's a long ass time for a Scrabble. I mean, it's not like nobody's ever seen what Scrabble is. You know, like they, they literally reinvented the wheel for three years. So uh, the fact that, that JB, you were talking about the team not working on live ops anymore and it's handled by Barcelona and Culver teams. So I don't know how much cheaper is Barcelona and, and Culver City. You know, Culver City and Santa Monica are not that different like it's pretty much the same same salaries but i do have to say that scopely clearly understands the strengths and the weaknesses because i don't know this is just a bunch of rumors but the studio that that made this game and and before the reason why playtica is is not maybe investing into that that much in them i don't know if it's a rumor or not but playtica is a very numbers driven very optimization driven company and if they didn't work with them and they weren't able to optimize, that means that maybe they're not at best in doing live operations. And maybe Scopely really understands this. And that's why they handed them a new project versus asking them to do something that they're not good at. So overall, I really love this PR strategy that Scopely is doing. So I want to give a shout out to Brittany Geltmacher, who handles the, 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 uh, the PR for Scopely, because the key messages here are great. You know, it's focused on the great outcome versus the long time it took to make this game. Uh, it focuses on the one team versus the third party publishing stuff where you're not being punished, as you said, with the Korean developers and so forth. And it states the simple message that what Supercell does as well. It's like, you have a great game and that's all you need. So I think this PR piece is fantastic. Are you trying? Are you trying to hire these guys? What is going on? <laughs> trying to get a job. No, I'm just saying. You want Brittany on your team, dude? <laughs> well, suck up much? <laughs> no, no. It's just I'm just saying. Like, compare this to the glue piece. Like, just read them side by side. And the glue piece was really hard to go through because it felt like a like a PR person wrote most of it. Yeah. And it was just published. And this one felt like, oh, it's a story from this little studio that, that really loves working with Scopely. And they might. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I think it's just written really well. And it, it delivers clear message without underscoring that message. So that's why I want to give a shout out to Brittany. 
Yeah. All right. And we just need to get them to like take some of their people out of lockdown so that they can come and speak at events. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's true. Hey, Scopely, can you let some of your folk come in on the podcast? <laughs> oh, I wanted to do one quick correction because I think we're done, right? When we started talking about this Ubisoft thing, this lawsuit uh, about Rainbow Six, mm-hmm. <laughs> evidently, when my, my lawyer friend called me, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So <laughs> we're going to have to. We're gonna Sounds have to... like this podcast. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> So we're going to have to have uh, him on or uh, yeah, do a little bit more research on, the, on that side so that we can get more smart about that because uh, he said we are idiots. Uh, no, yeah. he would never wow. say something like that. Wow. I'm interpreting what he said. <laughs> we are idiots. Surprise. <laughs> anyway. right. well, we we got a guest, another guest host next week, uh, Nebo. So maybe the week after oh. we can uh, bring him on. Nebo's yes. article is coming tomorrow on Deconstructor Fund. Yeah, yeah, we'll cover we'll cover the article. And also Nebo, actually, I think he's got an interesting perspective on why Zynga acquired Peak, just in terms of like, you know, how it's cheaper to actually acquire a studio with a game that has stable DAO rather than building a um, building that up on your own. And so like I, I think we can get some interesting perspectives from him on that stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah, David Hopp, he wants to uh, he's a lawyer who does a lot of esports stuff um, okay. and has tons of clients in the gaming space. So maybe we'll have him on in a couple of weeks and uh, <laughs> clear this stuff up. <laughs> All right, hey. David, hop, hop oh. on the podcast. And Josh, and are, Josh, do you have a message for our audience? Any? Uh, D- David Hop is he writes Gamma Law, which you oh, you okay. posted about talked about okay. earlier. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any wisdom it's monday morning so sorry but <laughs> and everybody for- <laughs> go and check out jk's new article on supercell versus zynga give mm. a shout out to that yeah, yeah dude, me- very good timing slash gg digest check it out yeah very good timing on that <laughs> came on a wrong day it's, it's anyway as if we knew <laughs> <laughs> so that's it the idiots are out idiots plus josh b yeah, yeah. not <laughs> all right guys catch you later Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya.